You are listening to the audio portion of the QB Power Hour webinar series. The QB Power Hour is a free bi-weekly webinar series for accounting professionals presented by Michelle Long and Dan DeLong, who are very passionate about the industry, QuickBooks, and apps that integrate with QuickBooks. You can find out all the details about the webinar series at qbpowerhour.com. So without further ado, here's Michelle and Dan. Welcome, everybody, to another QB Power Hour. We're very glad to have you joining us today in our Zoom webinar on niche nuances. Today's topic is retail. We've got um, great information for you today, so we're very glad to have you with us. My name is Michelle Long. I am a CPA and the owner of Long for Success. If you want to go to the next slide, Dan, that'd be great. And uh, very glad to have you guys joining us here today. I love being a trainer for Intuit, author of several different books. You can check those out on Amazon and invite you to join us on the Facebook group. You can see the link for that there. We have thousands of members on Facebook, and it's always a great conversation. We'd invite you to join us there and continue the conversation. Dan, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Dan DeLong, a former Intuit employee for about 18 years, um, and the uh, now just the uh, owner of my own business, uh, Dan Witt, where we transform businesses through technology. And um, I spent most of my time uh, in the point of sale group, and it's actually where I met our guest. <laughs> um, first time was a IRP conference. Um, I was doing a, a, I was doing a, a, a class or a, a presentation on sales tax. So he came ready uh, with lots of good questions. <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and, uh, well, if you want to uh, introduce yourself. Sure. Um, Dan, thanks. For, uh, I'm Will English, and I own English mm -hmm. Management Solutions here in San Diego. As you can see, kind of the, all the bona fides. Um, mm -hmm. We also did the V12 certification. So if you all have taken the V12 point of sale certification, my voice will sound familiar. We'll try not to drone on too mm -hmm. much here. And I also have uh, worked in the point of sale arena, hospitality, all of that for over 20 years and looking forward to presenting today. Yeah, Wonderful. So we're very, very glad to have you joining us today, William. I know I love seeing William when he's sitting in my classes or in the sessions that I'm teaching at one of the conferences or something, because I always can direct any retail or point of sale or inventory questions his way. <laughs> so we're Thank thrilled you. to have you joining us today. So today we're going to be talking about the niche nuances of retail and, and the niche nuances is, is really a series that Michelle and I kind of came up with that, you know, um, as, as we're seeing in, in conferences and, and, and uh, the, the terminology and things that are, that are, that are coming around is, is, is saying that, you know, for, for accountants to really be successful and to really know what it is that, um, you know, to best serve your clients, it, the best idea and the best way to do that is to is to choose a niche and really get involved in that niche because then you be, then you can become that trusted advisor to your clients. Uh, there may be um, you know auxiliary services that you can offer to them, not just bookkeeping and accounting, but really a bit kind of business advisory services, um, and that then now keeps uh, keeps you in that in that area. So. Um, also coming up in, in, uh, in May, we, we're going to have, we're going to have, start having, um, QBO advanced, uh, feature series. So, uh, Intuit is actually going to start joining us the first, uh, QBE power hour webinar of the month. Um, and we'll be talking about some of the, the, the newest features in, in QBO advanced and also the, the roadmap of, of where, where QBO advanced is. In currently and where it's where it's headed to. So uh, please join us for that. Um, what we do is we, we talk about the QuickBooks tips and what's new and, and troubleshooting. Um, I come from the Intuit background, so I can tell you what QuickBooks can do. And then Michelle comes from the accounting background and she can tell you what you should do. <laughs> um, so kind of best of both worlds there. Um, we'll also talk about marketing and pricing and building your practice. Uh, you see the link there for the PDF of the slides, you can go to our bit.ly link there and, and see all the handouts for not just this one, but all of the other um, QB Power Hours as well. Uh, the recordings now, since we have transitioned to Zoom, and this is our maiden voyage, so we're, we're glad you're here and, and joining us, and I apologize for any technical hiccups that may have happened today, but 
uh, we are actually simulcasting on YouTube as we speak. So if you can't join us with, uh, with Zoom, you can uh, subscribe to Michelle's YouTube channel, Along for Success, and you'll get notified when we go live so that you can just join us there as well. Um, but also they'll be there for, um, uh, for, for, for all time as well. So we'll be able to, um, uh, and that, that actually feeds into our, our website too. So this is part of what the transforming businesses through technology that I like to do, <laughs> make things easy for, uh, for people. Um, and then also we we'll have the podcast as well. So if you can't join us live or with video, uh, you can join us uh, through the podcast through your favorite uh, podcast podcasting podcasting. I can't say it. <laughs> Services. So some upcoming events. Uh, of course, we've got the the QB Power Hour and the QB Training Events dot com. Uh, obviously, with the the state of affairs of the current uh, current affairs of what we're doing, um, the in person uh, road shows are are postponed or canceled or uh, whatever you want to call them these days. <laughs> oh, we can't hear you, Michelle. I know you I was said something. Say, <laughs> yeah, hopefully they're just postponed until the fall. Let's let's all cross our fingers that we can get back on the road this fall. Yeah, and um, uh, so since we did transition to to Zoom, and and I can see you can uh, you can ask in the the chat room there. Uh, there will be places for for Q and A, and we're still trying to understand how we. Man, uh, manage the, the, the webinar. Um, yeah, we did leave the last uh, go to webinar series as far as an email reminder that we are switching to Zoom. Uh, so um, you should expect those emails to stop <laughs> moving forward. So um, let's launch a poll and then we'll switch things over to, to Will. And let's see here. So the first question here is, and it should pop up as a secondary, um, what version of QuickBooks are you using? Um, you know, we, of course, we want to understand what, you know, where you're at as, as far as who's joining us here today. If you use both QuickBooks Online only or QB Desktop or, you know, something else, you know, we're not, we're not uh, into it only here. <laughs> um, so, Will, if you what um, what got you into uh, into retail uh, sure. as a as a niche? I mean, I know you you and I were talking, and sometimes you'll start off the conversation as, "Why would you want to get into this?" <laughs> so, I'm going to ask well, you, "Why would you want to get into this?" The thing about retail is it can be 24 seven. There are plenty of times where. You know, they say the store closes at seven and can we work after that? And I'm like, eh, okay. Uh, especially brutal are those on the East Coast since I'm here on the West Coast. Um, I actually worked in retail for a while. I was a department manager at, at Kmart. And um, I remember attending one of the, you know, Sleater groups, uh, probably, I forget which year, and Doug's like, specialize, find something to specialize in <laughs> and own that. And I'm like, oh, okay. At the same time, kind of a confluence of events, um, I was writing articles for the accountant's newsletter back then, and the gentleman was here in San Diego, and we got together, and I had just come across the first point-of-sale client, and I was telling him about that, and he said, oh, um, I think they're talking about starting a reseller program. Would you be interested? And I'm like, and what's amazing to me is it's one of those pivots in life where it's like a confluence of events came together and suddenly I find myself selling retail. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's funny how just life takes its turns and then you find yourself into something that you, that you ultimately uh, enjoy. Uh, so and I'm honestly, I, I do. I mean, that's the thing. I, I know Michelle is like, but <laughs> I truly, my small retailers, um, and, and right now is just absolutely killing me because I, I was talking to, I have one of my retailers who um, was able to order face masks from a wholesaler and offered some to me. So how kind was that? And she said, I don't think I'm going to reopen. I don't know that I can make it. 
Um, she's here. Uh, I live downtown San Diego, and we have a huge convention center, a lot of convention center traffic. She's on the main drag. <clears throat> and we're not going to have conventions probably for the rest of this year. And so she's saying, well, even if I open, I don't know that I can make it. I know that my landlord's going to want his rent, but I don't know that I, I mean, why should I just open to pay the rent? And I'm like, wow. Okay. So it'll be interesting. We are starting to, uh, as Michelle said, we, we deal with inventory just in general. So we have quite a few inventory clients that are an enterprise and we also uh, deal with e-commerce. So we're, um, you know, that's kind of where we're pivoting yet again. It'll be interesting to see what the small retailer looks like in a year from now. Right, right. And I think that's part of the the main thing as as what we're what we're experiencing during this this pandemic series is that um, or this time frame is that traditional businesses that were caught unprepared for something like this are really needing to take that look back and okay, well, how can I? Because this won't be the last time that a crisis comes up. This hasn't been the first time, um, but hopefully, this will give them a, a, a way. As you know, assuming they survive through all of this, as a way to okay, well, what can I do? And you know, some working with someone like yourself, you know, that you would have that depth and breadth of that niche, will be able to allow them to you know give them options, and uh, and that that's that's great. While we're and I appreciate you being here for that. Now, our our poll is uh, looks like um, again most people are using both. So, sixty four percent are using both. There's fifteen uh, percent with desktop and thirty three percent of QuickBooks Online, and, and some people are using other <laughs> other things as well. Uh, so, Will, if you want to share the presentation, you can sure, kind of take no, it away no. and, and kind of guide us through Will English's mind. <laughs> <laughs> And I saw the comment about uh, the background. So, um, yeah, that was uh, something I found on Zoom. And I'm all, uh, I'm, I'm near the water. However, uh, the not strength that close. <laughs> not, not that close. And what's interesting is I would have been in Hawaii. I'm actually on vacation right now. Oh, like, man. You know, Hawaii got canceled. So oh, I'm was, sorry. <laughs> okay. I was talking to a friend last night. And I'm like, well, and and. I'm not going to make this political, but it just amazes me that something, an economy that is so tourist centric that they basically have just killed it. And anyway, moving on. All right. So the agenda today, we're going to talk about uh, some point of sale solutions and um, we'll go through all the various options that a client might have and the pluses and minuses on each of those. Then we're going to dig into the inventory and how that works in retail how you deal with cost gets sold. Next, we're going to work with uh, some reporting that we like to be able to teach our clients. The issue with the reporting is it's great that you have a point of sale system, but what are you going to do? You got to make sure that you're <clears throat> know what the reports and the metrics that you want to take a look at. So we're going to do that. Dig into sales tax a little bit and then finish up with um, Actually, that slide is <laughs> different. <laughs> Sorry about that. I did. I, hey, isn't this, you know, supposed to the Google Slides? Isn't that supposed to update? Well, it's supposed right. to. <laughs> so, it should be well, the integrations, right? That's what we're going to talk that's about. That's the integrations, right? We're going to talk about integrations. So, Dan, did you change my slide on me? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Anyways, so let's talk about the various solutions and go through each of them. So, first of all, a pen and paper. Believe it or not, I still have clients or prospects because they're generally not clients that will take a, um, you know, just a, a standard uh, receipt book and uh, they'll start using that. It's an easy way to get started, certainly. Um, you can get it going for less than $10. I remember working with a prospect whose husband actually was the one who invited me out to present the wife. And the wife said, you know, I really think that the client likes that hand touch of me writing out the receipt and all of that personalization. And I'm like, okay, let's go with that. Um, 
I don't know of anyone that would, I mean, unless your handwriting is impeccable and my handwriting is, is horrible. So <laughs> I'd be pretty useless. Uh, it, it's very slow, of course, because you're literally having to handwrite out everything or you're just writing some hieroglyphics that no one understands. It really prone to error and losing information. And then when you think about it, you have to do something with those books. So you would then go back to your QuickBooks or your QBO and you would hand have to hand key in on all that information. So, you know, I am amazed at the number of people, but as we all know, our biggest competition is pen and paper even still, even in the accounting arena. So on retail, it's, um, but we don't see that too often anymore. We're more likely to see a cash register, <clears throat> Samsung, Casio, one of those. Uh, again, pretty inexpensive, and you can get up and running pretty quickly because you're not really tracking inventory. You're not doing anything besides making a very fancy um, you know, receipt. Uh, you can get some uh, pretty sophisticated registers that will give you department-level reporting and whatnot, so that does help and you get a Z out tape. So for those of you that are not familiar with the um, retail concepts, a Z out, <clears throat> if you looked at the old cash register, you have an X and a Z key, literally. And so you go to the X and that gives you a shift report and you go to the Z and that gives you an end of day report. And the end the, of day uh, report. That, that was part of, uh, I think the Z in Z out is for zero, right? That would right. zero oh. out your uh, your end of the day so that the next day's uh, the next day's sales would then be part of the next zero out kind of like batching your your merchant account exactly. in the merchant account yeah so the idea is that you're going to z out and it's going to spit out a report to you which is better than you know having to go through every single piece of receipt paper that you have but uh, it's still, the problem is, is that I'm not able to really track inventory on any level. About the best that I can do is I get a department level tracking. So um, again, it's something that's pretty common. And we'll talk about uh, some of the tablet-based systems, which are just a little fancier cash registers. <clears throat> so now we're gonna move to the cloud. Um, so an example of a cloud solution would be something like a Revel, which we deal with, um, or a Lightspeed, which we also deal with. So obviously in a cloud solution, you gotta be connected to the internet, duh. And um, the problem with that is that if your internet goes down, that you're out of business. So typically when we're working with these prospects, what we wanna do is make sure A, that they have really good internet and B, that we create some sort of failover connection. So for example, you can get a router that will fail over to a cellular connection. So if my primary internet fails, then my secondary goes to cellular. And if neither one's working, then we got bigger problems than the fact that you have no internet. So anyway. <laughs> back to pen and paper pen and paper but you know seriously if your cellular is not working and your internet's not working then uh the zombie apocalypse is upon us so, um, the nice thing about these is that it are device independent so uh, with lightspeed it's basically a browser-based uh, application you open up your whatever browser of choice and you can go ahead and take sales uh, the other nice thing about it is that it will basically um, give you the opportunity to have any form factor that you need. And in general, uh, Mac computers are, are going to be cloud-based. I'm not sure. I think it's probably because writing an app for a Mac is, is, depends on the, on the user base. But again, in Lightspeed, uh, they have it's browser-based, or you can actually install an app on your iPad if you need to do that. Okay, so in order to pay for this, it's generally a monthly subscription. We're all familiar now with the QBO model, where it's basically they're gonna ding you every month for uh, an amount, and that's you get to use the software for that. We uh, need to make sure that we're aware when we're going ahead and looking at this, is how does the hardware work? If it's just browser-based, 
then typically all of the Windows um, hardware that you have, or if you're using a Mac, those will all work. If you're using a tablet in conjunction with that, then especially with an iPad, uh, a hardware can be kind of tricky because Apple really controls what they allow to connect. And so you need to make sure that when you're dealing with that and, and trying to troubleshoot, that you're aware that if you're using an iPad-based solution, uh, it's going to make sure it's going to limit uh, the hardware that you can use. And unfortunately, uh, Apple tends to be more expensive in the hardware arena. That's a that's an interesting call out because I, I would have never. I mean, I when you say it, it makes sense. But when <laughs> but what I wouldn't have thought of that uh, until until you would have experienced it, and then it would have been like too late. You know, like then you're kind of you're kind of surrounded. <laughs> well, and the other interesting thing about uh, Apple is that they also are very they control what the user interface looks like. They mm -hmm. tell you basically what it needs to be. And then you build the application to to their specifications. So, which is kind of a which I, I get because they have very much an, an ecosystem that they deal with, and they want you to be able to you know uh, adhere to those rules. So, all right, uh, reporting depends on the application. We can talk a little bit more about that during reporting, and what happens if the internet goes down. We've talked a little bit about that. Next up is uh, QuickBooks point of sale is my, this is my wheelhouse. So it's a PC based application. So literally you install it on your PC. Um, there's tons of them out there, Retail Pro, uh, Counterpoint. I mean, there's a ton of, and this is basically what everyone uh, grew up in. And even to a certain extent, the larger retailers, I mean, they're using things that are, um, you know, PC-based, right? Even if you're at a Target or whatever, you're looking at a PC, basically, uh, cash register. So the hardware, as I noted here, can be less expensive than a Mac because you're pretty much using standard off-the-shelf stuff. Uh, Star, Citizen, all of those are printers that are Epson. You know, everyone makes printers that work with that. You also have a wider variety of, of POS hardware to choose from. <clears throat> and for the most part, it's pretty compatible. If you go, uh, I, oftentimes we'll be switching people off of uh, one point of sale system into QuickBooks point of sale. And a lot of times we can reuse a lot of the hardware that they already have. Pretty much the only thing that we can't would be whatever payment devices that they're using. So pricing varies with the product selected. You need to consider in a lot of cases, some of the higher end systems at Counterpoint, for example, which is by NCR, they require that you pay, uh, I believe it's 11% or 12% annual fee on top of your purchase price. So you're gonna purchase the software and then you uh, pay for uh, the annual maintenance. The nice thing about that is that you do get uh, upgrades included in that so you kind of it builds against your obsolescence as opposed to when you're looking at quickbooks point of sale if there's a new version that comes out and you need it then um basically you're going to be forced to or you'll purchase the software um, yet again so you need to consider are there any annual costs with that uh, in the case of quickbooks point of sale there's not really any annual cost beyond the initial purchase of the software. So that's kind of cool. Okay, so uh, with a tablet solution, these would be the squares and, and the clovers of the world. It's generally a hybrid solution. What I mean by that is that you're looking at a tablet, you're looking at an iPad or an Android device. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, Square is pretty ubiquitous now. So, you know, if you haven't seen a Square uh, register, it's like, uh, you must be in outer Mongolia. So <laughs> it, anyways, um, so you have the tablet itself, and then you're going to log into a console in the back end to, to do your management. So that that's very cool because one of the issues in a PC-based environment is that you got to be literally in front of it in order to run reports and whatnot. Now, of course, you know, with technology, we can do a, go to my PC, uh, log me in, something like that, to log into the system, but you're taking over 
the PC if you're going to be doing the reporting and whatnot. So in the case of a tablet, you have the ability to have your front end taking sales and doing everything that they need to be doing. And you can be logged into the back and you can be actually looking at sales in real time. You can be updating menus, adding products and whatnot. So again, in the case of the cloud, because of that, does it provide offline ticket processing? Oh, going back to PC-based, uh, typically when you go offline, you don't have internet. <clears throat> That's fine. The application will work, but in the most cases, your credit card processing will not work. And so then you're forced to either do a, a call-in to get a validation number or write down uh, credit card numbers, which of course is a gross violation of everything that's holy in PCI <laughs> compliance, but <clears throat> it, you know, I've seen it happen. Um, or again, having some sort of failover solution. Some of the higher end systems like CounterPoint do have the capability of doing offline ticket processing. So uh, in a tablet solution, for example, Revel has the ability to do offline ticket processing. What that means is that if I were to lose my internet connection, I can still ring up sales. I can still take credit cards. However, what it does is it queues them up and it waits for basically your internet to come back. Once your internet comes back, then it goes and processes all those tickets and then reports back to you anything that might have failed uh, the verification. So, and in the case of Rebel, you can set parameters around that. So you can say, I don't want any offline ticket to be more than $50. I don't want a total of my offline sales to be more than $500. And so you can go ahead and do that. And one, um, of, the, one of the things about, you know, to kind of feed off of that, uh, in, in, a, in a retail type of environment, a lot of times they're not keeping track of customers. Um, you know, the, the specific customers that come in unless they have some kind of, you know, um, rewards program or, or something like that. Um, so in that case, when that happens, uh, if they're not cap capturing that customer information and there's a failure in the, in the credit card, well, then either they're, they've just given away their service or products and, and services, or they need to try to figure out how, how to get a hold of that person. Uh, to be able to get right, so that yeah, so that they will get a report that says, "Hey, this you know this charge did not go through," and for the most part, you'll get like last four digits or whatever. Um, so you, you do have a risk there. And uh, again, when we're using when we've implemented Revel, in general, it's a quick service restaurant, and you know if you lose seven or eight bucks, okay, fine, uh, and that's why you want to control. Again, the maximum amount of a ticket is how much am I willing to lose because I can't really necessarily track that person down. Mm -hmm. So uh, also, what are the networking requirements? Um, a lot of times like a Square or a Clover, you just attach it to the um, Wi-Fi that you have in your store. That can present problems itself because in general, you're gonna provide Wi-Fi to your customers. So you need to think about the security requirements there. And we almost never recommend that you put them both basically. You either do one of two things. Uh, for example, in my office, uh, and I'm a geek, so I like having stuff and I'm, I can afford to pay for stuff. Um, I have a zoned routing. So if I have clients that show up at the office, I can have them connect to a guest network that is totally separate from my uh, in internal network. So there's no crossover. Same thing would be true, and especially more so even for a retailer or a hospitality, you know, QSR, you wanna make sure that whatever network that you're connecting all of your devices to and your, is nothing that your uh, customers can get to. So there's some considerations that have to be taken there. In the case of Rebel, they actually set an, up an internal hidden network inside of your network or again, uh, what we would do is we would recommend getting a zoned router where you can have your public and then you can have your private and ne ne never the twain shall meet. So 
it's really important. Uh, security, especially nowadays, is is critical. So yeah, any that was that was one of my favorite. Well, it wasn't favorite, but but one of the water cooler stories uh, that that happened where uh, back in the early days of network security, uh, someone was a QuickBooks point of sale customer. She took her client machine home laptop to go work on it, um, and she logged in and inadvertently logged into a gun shop uh, that was on the other side of the wall uh, in, in her apartment. And so she updated all of her inventory items. She was like lollipops and gumdrops, you know, like a candy store. <laughs> and she's updating all of her items in, in a gun shop's uh, uh, <laughs> point of sale. And uh, of course, they, uh, uh, if she, and then she realized what uh, we realized what happened and, uh, you know, we were just waiting for that call from the gun shop saying, what's up with your buggy software? Now I have all these, <laughs> right. these, uh, these other items in my, in my, in, in my list. Amazing. I mean, <laughs> I, I have stories, Dan, uh, believe me. So <laughs> right. the biggest part of this is unfortunately is um, they don't think about it. And so, and then that brings up another interesting point, although I don't have a slide for that is ideally we want to get up in front of it and we want to be able to get in there and be the trusted advisor and be able to recommend the best solution based on their specific needs as opposed to just taking whatever it is that they have. That's the hard part is that while Square is um, a very, it's an okay system, Clover is an okay system, um, Shopify is an okay system, the thing is, is that with most of them, they don't have the full inventory functionality that I need for retailers. And so in Clover's case, I'm, it's basically a toolkit. It's a very fancy cash register until I add inventory and this and e-com and this and that and that. Uh, in the case of Shopify, it really doesn't track inventory at all. Uh, within, I mean, there are some ways that you can do it, but it's not. So it, it, it scares me. Um, what these systems that, that are out there and our clients just simply don't know that they, they, all they see is that's like, Oh, square 50 bucks a month. Sure. Okay. Or, you know, Clover it's included because I'm processing with uh, my bank. Yay. And, and so, you know, it's like, no, not yay. And then of course us as uh, accountants and bookkeepers, we get to clean up the mess because whatever comes out of that system, we need to make sense of and try to, you go, okay, this is, you know, we're turning, well, never mind. I have an expression, but I will. Let's <laughs> keep it clean. Keep it that, clean. <laughs> that also, though, you know, a lot, like you said, a lot of these small businesses, when they're starting, they don't realize, they don't know what they don't know. And that's where it's a good opportunity, I think, for people like you, people that specialize in this area to say, hey, you know, this is why that's not really good for you. You know, because right. like you said, they just see the price they don't realize all the things that they're missing out on. Right. Well, the other thing that I tell my prospects is like <clears throat> inventory is a discipline. If you're not willing to do the time or what, I forget what the expression is, then, you know, don't do the crime. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> my brain is, yeah, I'm, I'm still, the coffee's still kicking in. It's early. It, it does take a commitment with inventory. You have to be committed to recording every purchase you know, yep. they're good about recording their sales. I think sometimes it's the purchases where, right. you know, they, they aren't as good. But you're right. They have to be committed to, to tracking inventory. Which uh, leads me to my next slide. Thank you for the setup, Michelle. <laughs> so, look at the inventory workflows. Really, the only reason to purchase the system is to manage your inventory. Otherwise, get a cash register. Who cares, right? Um, and then how does it support your business and, and or can you adapt? So all software is a compromise. I mean, if we had endless money and endless time, we could build a piece of software that would match exactly our needs. But of course, no one ever does that. So uh, can you have it? So again, if you're using a square, yet you're heavy into inventory, it might not be the best solution. Can you draft your business? or maybe you should look at changing your your point of sale system. Now, our uh, favorite topic, how does it connect your accounting system and do you even want it to? And we'll talk a little bit about that and I'm gonna close out the session with showing you 
a um, piece of software that allow you to connect most point of sale systems with at least cloud-based point of sale systems with QuickBooks. So uh, is there a direct connection? Do you want that connection? Uh, for example, in the case of Square, Square now has, if you go to the App Store, you can download an app that will connect your Square into QBO. Yay! Except that it really, um, it is only best for very small, low-volume retailers because what it does is it basically creates every single sales receipt from Square inside your QBO. And if you're doing hundreds of sales receipts today, I don't know about you guys, but I will kill QBO with that sort of volume. I had a client where um, it was Rebel, but uh, for whatever reason, they wanted to connect in a detailed fashion. And over time, we couldn't run reports. Certain reports simply wouldn't run. So we need to be careful of that. So we need to figure out how best that we can connect the system if we're going to do a direct connection. At a minimum, we should be able to get a Z out, right? A cash register will even do that, although you'd be surprised at the number of point-of-sale systems that you have to pull two or three reports to, to actually get a Z out report. We also want to know what we sold. Makes sense. And margin reports would be ideal. Purchase, we need to know what we bought and what we owe for it. And then what our overall inventory is for a lot of purposes, for tax purposes and whatnot. So, all right, poll number two. On to the poll. Okay, how many of your clients integrate their point of sale system with QuickBooks? Um, this could be uh, another point of sale system. It could be desktop online. You know, just what do you find? Uh, what do you find currently? Now, um, William, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the, the the QuickBooks point of sale journey line because there was a there was a point where it's all desktop and then um, and then you, you mentioned several times Revel came into the to the picture so yeah. into it itself uh, stopped actively developing QuickBooks point of sale the desktop product mm -hmm. and then entered into a partnership with Revel and and you lived through that can you give us uh, kind of like that experience of of what what you saw from from that perspective, from your perspective? I was fortunate or I guess maybe not so fortunate to be a guinea pig after oh. they first announced the um, partnership. I was uh, sent to San Francisco, which is where Rebel was headquartered at the time. And we were first group to be trained on it. And we're all, there are five of us there and we're all looking at each other going, oh, this isn't good. Uh, Rebel is a very good. <laughs> USR restaurant system uh, and it's back then it was horrible for retailers since then they've made a lot of improvements especially as part of the partnership uh, into it kind of drove them because that was their customer base was all retail and rebels was mostly so it was something that just uh, anyways what I like to say is that um, into it and rebel got a divorce and I got the kid <laughs> <laughs> In a lot of cases, you got custody. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I support uh, Rebel clients, and I'll still sell it. But even then, they're they're changing their model, and so we, we don't do as much of that anymore. But it was the sad part is, had they been able to work on the desktop software, because then after the, the the thing blew up, then they're like, oh man, well we really do want to be in this business, and so they relaunched development on the desktop product, but they wasted four years. And in right. four years in software time is That's a lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. yeah same yeah. thing kind of happened with Mac, you know, with the QuickBooks for Mac product where, you know, the subsidies from Apple ran out. So they stopped developing the Mac product. And then, then now there's all these Mac users. Okay. Well, let's, let's revamp the, the Mac product. And they've done it twice now, you know, where there's right. been a gap. Yeah. Um, I remember being told at one of the reseller conferences, like QBO is the new Mac product, you know, that we're not going to do another. It's like, okay. And here it is again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, so there is, and there is development uh, going on in the desktop product. And so um, hopefully we'll have some fun things to talk about in the not too distant future regarding okay. that. Uh, so I don't know if people can see the results because I, I am trying to share the results of the poll. Um, 
but uh, yeah, most people, uh, 55%, uh, not integrating their point of sale with their QuickBooks. Either they don't have a client, I'm, I'm assuming that's one of the options. <laughs> They're not even in this industry, or they just don't integrate at all. Uh, one to two is about 35%, and three to five, eight percent and and a couple percent with five plus so we have a few other william Englishes out there (laughs) (laughs) well yeah (laughs) Uh, but uh, that'd be kind of (laughs) scary anyway so all right uh moving on all right so let's go back there oops up too far all right so accounting for inventory manually, this is where people kind of get, I believe that, that we do a disservice is a lot of times when I come in and, and a bookkeeper's there, they're just posting everything directly to cost to get sold. Okay. However, <laughs> the problem is, is that especially the seasonality of business. So let's say that I'm buying for in September for the holiday season you know, I'm going to have a cost of goods sold in August, September. That is way no, it doesn't represent anything about my, you know, it's not related to sales at all. And so therefore what we recommend is that we're going to go ahead and create an item that points to inventory. And then you're going to go ahead and use, uh, however you're going to put, put in to that item. So what that does is it increases the value of the inventory. So I have a bill, I'm receiving that in, I've received in $1,000 worth of inventory, I'm now increasing the value of my inventory, and then I go through the normal process to pay or whatnot. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take the sales summary report, which hopefully your point of sale system has. If it doesn't, then that's another conversation. And then I simply go in on a daily basis and I um, generate a journal entry that will debit cost of goods sold and credit inventory. If I've done all of that correctly, then I'm getting perpetual inventory. If I'm posting the cost of goods sold, what I would then do at the end of the year, I would go ahead and do a physical inventory and true up my cost of goods sold number. But now I'm missing, I mean, the ability to really run financials throughout the year that are going to make any sense. So we need to really, really be careful of that. Yeah, and and I unfortunately I see it way too often, and so hopefully no one here has been doing that. But if you have, please uh, consider not. So, yeah, that was uh, that was always a, a big challenge, especially when you know business owners would call, you know, into its support and say, "Well, I just put everything to cost of goods sold." It's like, well, there's a cost of goods when it's sold. There, you know, <laughs> that would be that would be how I would how I would explain it. It's, it's cost of goods when you sell it, not cost of goods that I'm going to sell. And and then they that kind of turned on the light bulb of, oh, okay, so now I now I get it. And the other thing that I'll use to explain is it's like, well, you're buying inventory. So what you're doing is you're changing one form of an asset, money, for another form of an asset, inventory. And so all I'm doing is exchanging that. I'm just, it's all there. It's not until I actually sell it that I have a cost. And people are like, oh, okay, yeah. But I like yours too, cost of when it's sold. I'll have to, can I, can I trademark that? <laughs> uh, yeah. As long as I get 11% of the royalties. There you go. Actually, I was presenting and had a, uh, I, and, and again, it was almost off the, um, the fly was literally, it's like, you know, inventory is an investment, but don't get too invested in your inventory. I was talking about literally people that will, you know, not sell things because they think that they're, that one person is going to walk in and pay full price. Now get rid of it and turn it into money so that you can buy more inventory. All right. And what, William... Yeah, test, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, the old fashioned way we use, I would do the dust test with clients and I'd be like, you know, if it's got a whole bunch of dust on top of it, it's been sitting here too long and it's time to get rid of it. And I was telling Dan, I had this one client, he was like, but I'm the only one in town that carries that. And I'm like, I wonder why nobody's buying it, <laughs> you know, mark it down and sell it, you know, just because you think it's a great inventory item. If your clients or if your customers aren't buying it, 
time to mark it down and get it sold. Because like you said, Will, your inventory is cash sitting on your shelf. Right. You know, you yeah. got to keep it moving. Dollar, so. bill, dollar bill, dollar bill. So <laughs> man, what, that's, we're going to get into the metrics and uh, what we want to do is make sure that, you know, inventory is not a member of the family. It needs as <laughs> hard or harder than you. So, yep. which uh, leads gotta, into our. It's got to get out of the nest. It's got to get out of the nest. There you go. Who's heard yes. of it? And I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways. One is Gimroy, another way is Gemroy. So, I'm curious of who are of our audience has actually heard about that. You know, when I read it, I was like, no, never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, and I thought I was, I was uh, in this uh, type of thing. <laughs> in it to win it, right? <laughs> I, right? I hadn't officially heard of it, but I know what ROI is, and then it was pretty quick and easy for me to figure out the GM part. So. <laughs> there you go. All right. How are we doing on time, Dan? We're pretty good. We are at. We got 15 minutes left in the hour. Okay. I think we're doing okay. All right. Yeah, we're we're coming in for a landing here. <laughs> All right. So let's. This is fun. I got to do this bourbon <laughs> with you guys. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate course, you being here, Willie. Yes, we are glad to have you here because retail. I mean. There's retailers everywhere, you know, so it's it's always a great area where people, if they learn more about it, you know, they can start taking on these retail clients and focus on that and stuff. So we're really glad to have you here, um, especially now. These retailers can use our help more than ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, in fact, it's funny because I have clients all over the country because of our niche. Um, I, I've always thought about, okay, as a retirement plan, um, I'll just drive around visit all of them <laughs> and these are people that i've never even really seen and it, and, and it was really funny funny sad i uh, took a drive this weekend just had to get out of the house and so took a drive up into the mountains every single park was closed every single parking lot of every single park was closed and so i'm driving i'm going because i bought a sandwich and um and so i'm like i have a client out in here here I'm going to go visit them and then sit in their parking lot and eat my sandwich. <laughs> so I did. So I popped in and said, Hey Gordon, how's it going? And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm just out for a drive. And I thought, you know, I, I'd come and say hi. And he's like, I need a new version of QuickBooks. <laughs> Can you give me a call? I'm like, sure. Okay. And then I said, do you mind if I sit in your parking lot and eat my lunch? And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, there's no place to park. <laughs> Strange times we live in. Wow. So it is, isn't it? We're going to teach yeah. some people some things. Yeah, today. so 87%. Uh, no idea what Gimroy is. <laughs> and I actually I ran across this term probably seven or eight years ago, and I because I didn't know as accountants. It's, but it's a very, you know, so there are certain, in fact, we'll go to the next slide, get rid of the results, is um, – these are all very much retail metrics. We're going to talk about the three of them. But, you know, these if you're going to work in this industry, these are all terms that you should be familiar with. So sales per square foot, pretty straightforward, right? You take the amount of sales, what is square foot of your store, get there. Stock turnover rates, we'll talk about that one. Profitability by product, by department, suggested reorder you know, if you're going to be able to manage it, you don't want to buy stuff that you're going to just have to mark down. What are trends? What are re replenishment? What's your average customer spend? Does your point of sale system give you this information? If it doesn't, then maybe you should look at, you know, not. Itemized uh, cost and profit per item. Store if you have multiple locations, you want to be able to compare those. Uh, cost of what your inventory is on hand. And also at retail, you want to know what the value of it is at retail. Sales by hour a day, those are all, you know, really important things. And as I said, uh, Gimroy. So stock turn rate is pretty straightforward. It's uh, how quickly do your items move? Inventory turns is another way. Uh, QuickBooks point of sale actually has this report built into. It's under inventory. And then you can go ahead and look at it. So, however, if you want to do the math, it's pretty straightforward. You're going to take your COGS against your average inventory for that period. So, if average inventory is 100,000, COGS was 500,000, the inventory turned five times. Now, that's really not relevant to me 
on a global basis. I want to really look at it on a department basis or better yet on a product basis. Uh, keep in mind too that, for example, we work with a lot of nurseries and their annuals, they're moving those, you know, once a week. We got to turn that once a week or every other week. Where a tree, I might turn that once a year. So you got to look at that and make sure that, um, and the other part of that is obviously if it's turning faster, you need to order it more often. You need to make sure that you're backing into that. So if my annuals, if I'm turning them every two weeks and what's my average sales volume, I need to back into that to know that, okay, I got to order this amount. And especially in nurseries, it's a very seasonal business. In fact, I, I worked a trade show and um, talking to a prospect, he works three months a year. He makes enough money in those three months to basically close the place up and go to Hawaii. So it's not a bad and, business. And, and turn is really like you want to find the sweet spot. And Absolutely. right, you want to have just enough coming in so that you're not, you know, investing into that dust, <laughs> into the dust coming? test, right? I mean, the, the perfect solution is you have the product on the shelf at the moment that the person comes in and wants to buy it. <laughs> right. You yeah. want the Dell computer. Right. <laughs> right. Like, or, uh, I mean, that's so kind of just in time. That's the Amazon model is that, you know, but there's huge warehouses and things. Of course, our retailers can't have huge rare warehouses. Right. But, um so, and like I said, seasonal items uh, turn when, and so weeks on hand inventory versus weekly sales. So again, those are all things that you need to take a look at to make sure that you're um, able to manage the stock turn rate correctly. So I had a point, but it went out of my head. <laughs> well, one of the things that, that I think, it, you know, you could get real specific with the EOQ, the economic order quantity and all that. But, you know, just thinking about, okay, when I place this order, how long does it take me to get it? If it's going to take like two weeks to get it, how much do you sell in that two-week period? You know, when you're trying to determine what a good reorder point is going to be and stuff. So we can help the clients with this this kind of stuff. You know, these are definitely areas of opportunity for us for helping them to to look at this stuff is my product coming from china or is it coming from you know wherever so um yeah so those are all uh, questions that you need to be able to answer for the client and to help them to answer it and so the the hard part is is that a lot of retailers they get into the business because they like purses so they're going to open a purse <laughs> Right. They get to buy purses at wholesale and it's, you know, and if you're going to do that, okay, do it on Etsy, do it on eBay, do it on, you know, but don't open a retail store. A retail uh, is, is a science and you need to know the science and part of the science are things like stock turn rate and gem rate. So let's talk about that next. So it's gross margin return on investment. Is it earning enough money for you? As I said, you want your dollars to work as hard as you do. So for every dollar that you're spending on a specific item or department, how much is that dollar earning for you? And the margin is there. So gross margin of the department divided by the average inventory for a period of time. As I said, this is not your family. We don't want your inventory to be lazy. We want it to work as hard as you do. And that's literally what I tell my clients is it's like you want to make sure, oops, too far. Again, they're working the tremendous hours. And, um, you know, so if you're buying products that's not uh, earning its keep, then you need to be able to liquidate that and then be able to invest in stuff that, that you can. All right. So the example is my formal dresses have a gross margin of 150000 which, again, is a pretty, any point of sale system hopefully can give you that. My average inventory cost is 95, so you can see that my Gemray is 1.58, meaning that 58 cents, you know, basically I earned a dollar 58 for every dollar. Casual department, on the other hand, I earned a dollar 87, so casual department's a better investment. However, there are reasons why you might want to keep something if you're known for in your community for your selection of formal dresses. There are reasons why you might want to keep things that are maybe make less money for you or, again, in the grocery business, 
they, you know, certain things they make nothing on or they'll make, you know, they'll, they'll lose money. However, guess what? That bag of Cheetos, they're making a tremendous amount. So overall, they're able to get their five, 6% margin, but it's, it's the proper mix. So there are reasons why you might want to have something that doesn't uh, earn as much for you as you would want, but it's just knowing the math and being able to do that for you. So uh, you can Google it for your particular industry and also notice that the higher the turns, the two are related. So if you're turning your inventory faster, means that your money's working harder and, and everything. And I'm running out of time here, so let's go <laughs> much quicker. Oh yeah, let's just gloss over sales tax now. Yes, so, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but Okay, so daily sales receipt, which is if you're not connecting, what you should be doing. Um, are you multiple taxes involved? For online, we actually recommend turning sales tax off and making it just an item, a service item. I have a whole nother presentation on how to do that. If people are interested, they can email me and, and I can get that to them. Uh, so tax considerations, uh, a lot of our clients are taking stuff, you know, they take their dresses, they take whatever from the store. How are you gonna handle that? Um, what we do is we actually make it a part of the sale. Uh, we put it in the cost. The department uh, has said that's acceptable as opposed to having to pay use tax on it. And then shipping is a destination based. Is the customer in the store? I don't care. We have a lot of clients that, you know, where there are people coming in from Arizona and they're going, well, you know, ship it to me in Arizona. And it's like, well, you still got to collect the sales tax, unfortunately. It's only if you're um, not physically in the location. <coughs> so integrating, should you? Manual entry, so daily sales receipt, we've talked a couple of uh, ways about of doing that, again, beyond the topic of this discussion. Journal entries, I would not recommend. I would recommend doing daily sales receipt. There are also some third-party tools out there, so if you're able to get some sort of a report out of your system, then A2X is good for, uh, I think it's Amazon, uh, and uh, Transaction Pro Importer, our, our friend is good for pretty much everything else. And let me go ahead and demo my, so Shogo is a product that, can you all see that? Mm-hmm, yep. Right. So uh, Shogo is a product that actually allows you to integrate a lot of different point of sale system. They focus primarily on the, um, hospitality industry, as you can see, but they do have Shopify, they have Shopkeep, they have NCR Silver, Square, and Lightspeed. So I'm gonna go ahead and jump in. Lightspeed actually has a um, branded version to them of Shogo called Lightspeed Accounting. And so the cool thing about Lightspeed Accounting or Shogo is that you have the ability to throw some forecasts in here as well. Oh, log me out, of course. So log me in, Scotty. Um, so you can go in and you can set certain parameters and whatnot. And then you can actually get emailed a report that says how close are you to all of your, um, to, to what your plan is. But I want to focus more here on the accounting side of things is literally what you do is you log in. You can see I'm connected to a QBO file here and I can map all of the various accounts and hello once a day what happens is it automatically posts all of the information in this case from lightspeed into my point of sale system so no daily sales receipt no nothing it just automatically happens for those people that have an e-commerce uh, solution um, then we recommend uh, Webgility. Webgility does a nice job of connecting multiple channels into point of, or into point of sale, into QBO, into enterprise or whatnot. So with that, and I'm sorry, I kind of rushed through that pretty quickly. <laughs> so, but this but this solution is kind of sits between their point of sale yeah. yes. and the so, the ultimate destination. Right. Either Webgility or Shogo is a connector. So it's basically taking information that you're, you've got and connecting it to you know something else. I know like Zapier is a, a big one now in the QB, QBO world. So this is a, a industry specific Zapier, if you would. So gotcha. 
Okay. There's a, uh, there's a question here about um, a company sells only through Shopify, does not mm -hmm. use any app to connect, and just asking for what's the best way to record inventory costs um, in, in 2019. Would it just be uh, a, a summary uh, transaction, or, or would you put something like this between it? To then make you it happen. Could. The hard thing about Shopify, and this is changing, we're actually a Shopify reseller, is that um, they don't really have costs in there. I mean, you can sort of, now they do, um, so you can put in your cost, but there's not a receiving process really that's in the system. You do a transfer of inventory in, so it's pretty kludgy. Um, but yeah, I, I would connect it via Shogo or I would do a daily sales receipt and then I would take my uh, journal entry for my COGS like I talked about in the other slide. Is, it, is that what you're finding in, in, in these quick, easy uh, answers like, like Square or Shopify, you know, that are easy to get up and running? It's just they don't have the, the metrics of a cost inventory piece of that right. to really I, I keep track of that. When I first uh, ran across uh, Shopify, I was shocked that they don't have a receiving process. There's not really a and even now they call it a transfer in, so you can transfer in it. And again, now I haven't looked at it in a few months, so if it's changed, uh, forgive me. But they don't have a receiving process. You have a receiving process in almost any accounting inventory management system. So how can you not receive inventory into your system? You know, you transfer in, okay, I've done this at this cost. It populates the field, but then what, what happens to connect that to, to QuickBooks? There's really nothing. If I have a receiving process, then for example, in Lightspeed, I actually have a receiver. I can go ahead and that creates a bill or creates a PO inside a QBO and I'm off to the races. I was stunned to find that out. Same with the uh, square and, and, you know, so part of that is that the, they pretty much, uh, well, Shopify started as a wet e-commerce and then they added the, the POS. Then I, again, with e-commerce, um, you need to know what your costs are, I would think, but that's where it came out of square came out of a way of taking credit cards. And, you know, so that's really, and they built on top of it, but it wasn't conceived as a full, uh, management system, inventory management. Gotcha. All right, the last poll, because we're over time now. Yeah, we'll run a little extra here today because uh, you're giving us lots of lots of good nuggets and information. Maybe we should have you come back just to do an hour on integration. <laughs> so uh, do you have customers selling in multiple locations or channels? And when we, what we mean by that is uh, do they sell online? Do they sell on Amazon fulfillment? Do they sell Etsy uh, stores and you know multiple multiple channels or, or locations? Um, yeah, I mean those those the the integration piece I think is is probably the biggest challenge. And then there's always that it works with QuickBooks. Like it, they'll they'll put it on their website and and say oh, yeah. it works with QuickBooks. Are they talking about QuickBooks Desktop? Or are they talking about online? Are they? How does it integrate? So that's that's where you really need to dive in. Yeah, exporting out an IIF file. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So we'll end the poll there and share the results. It looks like it's pretty split. Um, pretty right. close there. Forty-three percent uh, selling in multiple channels, and, and fifty-three not. All right, so here's all of my contact information. And uh, if I can do a brief commercial plug here. Um, so we are an Intuit reseller, a QSP is what we're called. And so what that means is that you can use us to basically um, have products that, uh, so if your customer needs a QuickBooks point of sale desktop, or if they need merchant services, or if they need payroll, you can go through us and uh, you can actually earn uh, some commissions that you can either give back to your clients or keep for yourself. And in this day and age, uh, it's uh, Warren Buffett says, find something where you can mo earn money uh, at night while you're asleep. So that's kind of my, my contribution to that. Get some mailbox money <laughs> coming your way. Yeah. yeah, so definitely reach out to Will. 
uh, if you need to um, have any, he's, he's made himself available to, uh, you know, to maybe follow up and work with you. Um, and if you're, if this is not a niche that you want to get in, but you uh, maybe have a couple acquaintances or, or, or potential clients uh, where you could do the bookkeeping, he could handle the, uh, the, the, the retail side of things and definitely consider working, working with William and, and William, I do appreciate you, you coming out today and, and, uh, sitting My on pleasure. the beach with us. <laughs> there you go. I wish. Um, so we will see you at, uh, upcoming events, you know, our, our, uh, QB power hour series. Uh, again, we're, we're doing the QBO advanced, uh, series and we'll, we'll have lots more, uh, niche nuances as well. And uh, you can log into the qbtraininggevents.com and, and see what virtual uh, Michelle had to drop off because she's helping out with a virtual conference and a virtual webinar series uh, uh, option as well. So uh, thanks again for joining us, William. I, I really appreciate you coming on today. And, and it was my pleasure. Letting us, letting us, letting us learn a little bit about what what uh what what's in I the retail on this topic <laughs> and i would if you didn't stop me <laughs> all right well time out then <laughs> and we'll see you next time we hope you enjoyed listening to the qb power hour podcast if you have any questions feel free to ask them in our facebook group you can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com <laughs>